Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm so happy. You're actually gorgeous. I was kind of worried I was going to get some flop. This is Flop Culture. Hello there. You are listening to Flop Culture, a podcast where we mainly talk about flops. We also talk about bops, hot goss, pop culture at large, everything in between. I'm your host, Fanula J. I hope you are well and warm. It is getting cold out there. Thank you so much for listening to last week's episode on Art Pop with Maura Jara. And for all of your feedback, it warmed me and touched me greatly. Maura will be back for maybe season two, definitely season three if not, depending on how often I have to reschedule uh, to talk about a TV show that was a flop, kind of, as built a cult audience, didn't really go for that many seasons. I'll say no more on that. And I'll go straight into the news. Billie Eilish has done her sixth video interview with Vanity Fair. Her sixth annual video interview with Vanity Fair. It's become this kind of moment, event in internet culture, uh, music culture, I think. And it's basically seen her sit down since the age of 15 and conduct this interview with Vanity Fair once a year generally asked a lot of the same questions and then there are some other questions that we don't end up seeing in the videos that we might see in later videos. But she sat down every year and answered kind of some of the main ones like proudest achievements, how many Instagram followers she has right now, how she describe her style. Uh, it's become a very like time capsule thing and started out as something very interesting. I still think it is quite interesting, but I suppose what made it so interesting initially was that this was someone who was on the cusp of what we now know to be mega, mega stardom, ultra, the finest, largest level of fame you can imagine. She's 20 years old at this point. This is going to be her last annual one that's released publicly. So basically she's still going to record them every year. So she's going to record them when she's 21 next year, 22, et cetera, et cetera. You know how aging works. Um, but they're not going to be released every year. They're going to be kind of staggered out and released as she sees fit. Uh, she says she loves doing them. That's why she comes back to do them when she's asked why she bothers doing them. Uh, she says she really enjoys doing it. It makes her happy. It's just so cool to get to do this every year. They mean so much to me. It says it makes her feel connected to herself. And, you know, even beyond the, I suppose, non-physical things, like watching her become more famous, even on a very superficial level of hearing her talk about the growth in her Instagram followers, seeing her change and seeing her grow is very strange, but again, very just kind of, it's not surprising that people come back to this. As I'm recording this now, it's number one trending on YouTube and it has like 3.1 million views. Um, It's just, 
I don't think this format would work with any other artist. Um, I'm not even a huge like Billy Stan, and I will say that's not that's not because I don't think she's good. I just haven't dug around in the discography a lot as much as I would like to, especially the most recent album. I don't think it would have worked with any other artist of that generation and that kind of that wave of a come up. She did address her relationship status because that's a question that's come up in the past interviews, whether uh, she has a boyfriend or whatever. And it was, you had this quite poignant moment of her seeing her answer, uh, saying yes in 2021 uh, and kind of seeing her face be like, no reaction because clearly there was a breakup there. Um, but obviously she's since moved on with uh, the neighborhood's Jesse Rutherford, which I talked about on a earlier episode of this podcast in which I gave some sage advice to young people who aren't listening to this podcast. But anyway, um, she did confirm that they're in a relationship. And I mean, look, as much as it is as much as it is a joy to be able to share this with her and like that we get to kind of see, get such an insight into her growing up and seeing this, this is the downside of this because like when you say cringy shit like this, it lives forever. Everything you say lives on the internet forever, I should say. But I mean, when you think about like, there's there's a big difference between, you know, embarrassing Facebook statuses, status I, whatever. There's a big difference between that and, you know, being watched globally by people who are your fans, who aren't your fans, who are passive fans every year. And anyway, she's speaking about this relationship with Jesse Rutherford. Uh, it's a bit of a significant age gap there. I think at least 10 years, if you go back and listen to their, listen to my earlier podcast on it. She said, I, uh, I just am really inspired by this person. And you know, he's inspired by me. It's really cool. And I'm really excited. And I'm really happy about it. Uh, and she also discussed kind of the judgment the relationship has prompted and the discussions around it. And she said kind of very directly, say what you need to say, but like, I am in control right now. I did this. And this is where it gets cringy. And this is where it makes me worry because like, and I don't say this in a patronizing way, but like Billy's frontal lobe isn't fully formed. Your frontal lobe isn't fully formed at that age. And I just, I'm not wishing a tumultuous bad relationship on anyone but I just, there's a part of me that just wishes this wasn't on the internet. You know what I mean? Uh, she says, I managed to get my life to a point where I not only was known by a person that I thought was the hottest fucking fucker alive, but pulled his ass. Are you kidding me? Can we get a round, can we just get a round of applause for me? And then people in the studio clap. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I just... I wish them well. I wish them well. I've no ill wishes for Billy. He is a he's a grown ass man. He is very grown. He is so grown, and uh, I'd have my concerns. I would have my concerns. And even the way she discussed it there is just very indicative of a twenty year old who thinks they know everything, and they don't, and that's fine. And that's not me saying that I even know everything here as a. 20-something-year-old, not ratting on myself. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. Still fascinating. Really excited to see how they pro- approach the staggered releases. Um, and I wonder, like, who would be next? Like, I don't think anyone of her generation would have worked, but I'm wondering if there's someone that's kind of come up since that you would have loved to have seen their journey in this way as an artist, whether they're musical actor, yada, 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 everything like that. Let me know at flopculture underscore pod, helloflopculture.gmail.com. Right, we're going to flip the script a little bit here and actually do top of the flops right here uh, because this is quite a serious section and I don't want to end season one on a very serious note, uh, but it's obvious why this is top of the flops. I also think it's worth a decent explainer, which I'm going to get into now. Top of the flops this week is... You're a flop. This is a content warning just to flag that the following section will contain references to child abuse, regrettably. We are talking about Balenciaga. Balenciaga is top of the flops this week. 
a lot of fallout, a lot of controversy. Uh, I'm going to give you the cliff notes and then a longer kind of explanation as to what's been happening with the brand, how specific celebrities have responded. Balenciaga is this brand kind of a lightning rod for controversy, especially since uh, someone called Demna became artistic, artistic director in 2015. You can look up their history together and the things that they've done. Uh, I suppose most famously before this, uh, they're kind of responsible for, you know, a lot of the Kardashians' recent look, looks, predominantly Kim. Kim was dressed in Balenciaga, uh, that head-to-toe black body stocking at the Met Gala, whatever year that was. Um, but this, this latest controversy, I'm not sure if they're if they're going to walk back from. So the too long didn't read of it is that uh, there were recent uh, two new campaigns from Balenciaga that came out recently. And one campaign featured photos of children clutching handbags that looked like teddy bears in bondage gear. And then you had another campaign that featured photos that included paperwork about child pornography laws. So this all kicked off November 16th. Balenciaga published this campaign called Balenciaga Gift Shop. It was shot last month by someone called Gabrielle Galimberti, an Italian documentary photographer uh, whose work focuses on the stories our things tell about ourselves. Uh, he had previously made a book featuring images of children with their toys. He had never shot a fashion campaign before this. The photographs featured six children clutching destroyed teddy bear handbags, which had been seen in Balenciaga's spring 2023 runway show in Paris and the bears have black eyes, fishnet tops, leather harnesses, wine glasses, other things. And according to him, the objects as well as the children and the location chosen for the shoot had all been selected by Balenciaga, right? That's important. Remember that. Uh, also said there were numerous staff members present throughout the two days of photography or wherever, how long it took. That was posted online and then suddenly there was all this outrage about children being photographed with paraphernalia, you know, or the teddies that looked like they were in bondage gear, right? So five days later, we're up to November 21st, uh, Balenciaga release a separate campaign. And this is their 2023 guard robe advertising campaign. I'm going to butcher the French. It is what it is. And if you, there was images in the campaign, if you zoomed in on them, it appeared to feature, like, as a prop in the photos, paperwork from a Supreme Court decision on child pornography laws. This campaign, like, uh, included Nicole Kidman as well, Isabel Huppert, Bella Hadid as models. This was shot in July, months before the original gift shop campaign, which I mentioned previously with the teddy bears. In one of the images, you have a Balenciaga, it's a, a collab they were doing with Adidas, a handbag. And it's featured on a desk along with printed copies of the US Supreme Court's 2008 decision in, US, in the US versus Williams. That case examined whether laws banning the pandering, which means promoting, of child pornography curtailed First Amendment freedom of speech rights, okay? There's this huge kind of fairly immediate backlash uh, a lot of people accusing Balenciaga of promoting child pornography glamorizing violence against children uh, this ended up really taking off because there was a lot of right wing media outlets obviously took this up Fox New York Post uh, so Balenciaga first responded on November 24th. It apologized for the gift shop campaign, promised to remove the advertising from its social media channels. Uh, this is the statement that they posted to Instagram. We sincerely apologize for any offense or ho our holiday campaign may have caused. Our plush bear bags should not have been featured with children in this campaign. We've immediately removed the campaign from all platforms. Hours later, there was a second apology for the guard robe campaign, which featured the documentation I mentioned earlier. We apologize for displaying unsettling documents in our campaign. We take this matter very seriously and are taking legal action against the parties responsible for creating the set and inc including unapproved items for a spring 23 campaign photo shoot. We strongly condemn abuse of children in any form. We stand for children's safety and well-being. They then filed papers against the production company, North Six and Nicholas Desjardins. I made a bit more of an effort there. 
who designed the set for the Garderobe campaign. Uh, and Nortix had previously produced other Balenciaga campaigns, has worked for Dior, Zara. Uh, they actually did the Disco Horse from the cover of uh, Renaissance, Beyonce's most recent album. Uh, they are alleging in the documentation that the production company and set designer engaged in inexplicable acts and omissions that were mal- malvolent or at the very least extraordinarily reckless. Uh, so they're basically claiming that the documents were placed in the campaign without their knowledge and had led to these false associations between Balenciaga child pornography. So now the question is like, where did these, where did these even come from? Then we got it. I think we had another statement then on the 28th where they kind of explained further as to, they kind of gave further apology and tried further explanation as to how this even happened, to be honest. So, your man, the photographer, Gallen Bertie, had nothing to do with the garderobe campaign. Uh, he also did not make the decision to feature children with the wear bags in the gift shop campaign. Uh, he had said that Balenciaga had told them the theme of the shoot was punk. Uh, so Balenciaga had a new statement out, November 28th, again, apologising, doubling down, saying we had nothing to do with this, we didn't know about it, blah, blah, blah. Our plush bear bags and the gift collection should not have been featured with children. This was a wrong choice by Balenciaga, combined with our failure in assessing and validating images. The responsibility for this lies with Balenciaga alone. Uh, Basically saying, it's not the photographer, um, but it's not us either. The fallout is still to be seen. We're kind of seeing more and more people speaking out on it, but the one person that people kind of were waiting for the biggest response from was Kim Kardashian, who I mentioned earlier. She said she's reevaluating her relationship with Balenciaga. Uh, said she was shaken by the disturbing images used in the campaign. Uh, and... Uh, said that she'd remained silent since the campaign was first posted because she wanted to speak with the brand to understand uh, how this could have happened. Uh, as a mother of four, I've been shaken by the disturbing images. The safety of children must be held with the highest regard and any attempts to normalise child abuse of any kind should have no place in our society, period. I appreciate Balenciaga's removal of the campaigns and apology. In speaking with them, I believe they understand the seriousness of the issue and will take the necessary measures for this to never happen again. As for my future at Balenciaga, I'm currently reevaluating my relationship with the brand, basing it off their willingness to accept accountability for something that should have never happened to begin with and the actions I am expecting them to see them take to protect children, which reading between the lines basically means that she has a load of looks lined up that she needs to wear and isn't going to take the loss on them, I would assume. Uh, some people speculated that the timing of her statement tied in quite nicely to Pete Davidson being spotted with Emily Ratajkowski at that basketball game. It's irrelevant who's playing, who cares, sport, whatever. And then there was also speculation because uh, because of this relationship, we had Kylie Jenner posting the first pictures of her son. His face is still away from the camera, but it's the first glimpse we've gotten at this unnamed wolf child. Um, Wolf is not its name. We don't know what its name is. It'll probably be on season 85 of the Kardashians. That's how long they're going to keep us waiting. Um, but a lot of people speculated that, you know, the devil works hard, Chris Jenner works harder. Chris was like, you need to pull some photos of the Babs because we're getting a lot of heat for this and we need to make a statement, yada, yada, yada. So I think someone made a piss-takey TikTok about that exact kind of line of thinking. And Kylie came out and was like... Load of bollocks, basically. I'll get our exact quote now. Comments by celebs picked it up because they pick up everything. Kylie posted on uh, the TikTok from the person who is called Psych Advice on TikTok. Kylie commented and goes, uh, why would I post my child to cover up for Balenciaga? This is why I don't do this. Always something to say. So there you go. Top of the flops. Indeed, just, yeah, is there anything, is there anything else I need to say? Probably not, probably not. With that, let's move out of the darkness and into the light with the final flop of season one. Closing out flop culture season one, we are talking about an Irish reality TV show that in so many ways has not stood the test of time. Or did it ever really belong in the time it was born in? 
It's a question we try to answer this episode, but regardless, this flop is endlessly entertaining. No better woman to unpick it with me than winner of the Arts, Journalism and Criticism Award at this year's Journalism Awards, Kate Mulder. We are talking about Fate Street, of course. Enjoy. Kate Mulder, you are so welcome to Flop Culture. How are you? Thanks, babe. Uh, thrilled to be here um, on this wet and windy afternoon. Yeah, thrilled to be here. I consider myself a flop myself. I'm sure you do sometimes. <laughs> so I feel I feel like in good hands. <laughs> As I said in the trailer, we are all in our flop era. And I cannot say, I cannot hear that trailer anymore without wanting to bash my head in. Anyway, we're talking about a different flop today. Can you tell us what you've picked to talk about this week? Yeah, when you came to me and you were like, I want to hear about a flop, I thought about so many, but then... Uh, I took myself away for about an hour to think about it and I thought there is no other flop like this one. It is Fade Street, the one and a half, we'll say, series uh, show that ran on Orty in the 2000s that had four leading ladies, Vogue Williams, who is now very famous with her My Therapist Goes To Me podcast, um, and her counterpart Joanne McNally, which we'll get on to later, uh, Danielle Robinson, Cece Kavanagh, and I was never sure at the time whether it was Cece or Kiki, so I'm glad to know definitively that it's Cece and uh, Louise Johnston. And so it was basically like a take on the hills back when kind of reality TV was at its apex for my generation and your generation, really. I was going to ask, yeah. like, is that kind of one of the reasons why it maybe didn't do... I think there's loads of reasons which mm. we'll get into, but mm. I think one of the things was, did we kind of come to this format too late? Because it is, as you said... It's our, it's so funny to even say this, but it's our equivalent to the hills or the city. Exactly. And they kind of ripped them, like uh, I was saying to Vanilla earlier that like the only time I've heard Vogue mention it is uh, in a podcast in which she refers to it as kind of the Irish version of the hills and even then kind of laughs about it because she knew that was the premise, but like it's just so funny to think about. And so, yeah, it was a little bit late. Like I remember it coming, so I, it was the year before I went to college. So I kind of spent my six year breaks from studying, watching it or like seeing what was going to come up in it and loving it. And also being excited that I was going to college in Dublin next year and kind of getting a glimpse of that. Um, so yeah, I think we came to the format too late. I also think Irish people have just a big disdain for things that are a bit American. And so I think this very much had that twang off it. Um and also it was like peak recession Ireland. So seeing young ones like swan around in different outfits in clubs in Dublin probably was a bit off kilter at the time. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to get into it with you. So it followed those girls, as you mentioned, yeah. in their lives. What were they doing? Like where were they and where was Ireland and Dublin at this point? So we were very much in kind of the hangover of the Celtic Tiger, I'd say. There were still kind of, we were still getting to grips with kind of like the D4 culture. There was like Russell Carl Kelly eras. Ireland was becoming a bit of a bigger player. We see on the show that it um, hosts uh, different like big awards uh, ceremonies. There are like famous people coming to Dublin. Um, there are bigger players playing in like the point and stuff like that. Like Irish rugby was doing well. We were kind of like seeing ourselves on kind of a global scale. Apple had just moved in, all of that kind of stuff. Um so yeah, it starts off with Louise Johnston, who has since worked in Love in Dublin, and I still believe she works in like event PR kind of stuff in the UK. I am obsessed with her. I, Louise, I if know. you ever listen to this podcast, just you you missed her calling in face acting because it was just <laughs> what a performance from episode one right through to we'll say fourteen and a half, whatever, even though we'll talk about season two. I'm so angry about it. She is like what a protagonist slash antagonist. I know, I know. She really dips into both and dare I say perhaps maybe the original corner of the resting bitch face. It's just like flawless. She, oh, perfection. So, so good. She is uh, coming to the end of her, I believe it's a commerce, commerce degree in UCD and is looking to move into town to get kind of more experience, wants to work in kind of magazines, festivals. Starts off with her working at Stellar Magazine. She's looking to move to a place in town. She, I doesn't actually mention whether she did or not, but I think she must have applied on like or must have written up on a message board being like looking for a roommate to live in a place on Face Street. Mm. We believe it, the place is just above Hogan's on Face Street because you can look up and down George's Street and the person They talk who, about the view a lot when they, they go do. to view the apartment. And it's a lovely view. Listen, yeah. feel delighted for them. Oh, incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. And so she meets a girl called Danielle Robinson, Danny, who comes up from Wexford um, and I believe they meet in no name uh, and Louise has this iconic line. They're, they're chatting away and 
Louise sits down and was like, oh my God, I'm actually delighted you're gorgeous. Uh, I thought this was going to be an issue, which I thought it was so funny. Like, so... Says something about, like, I thought I was going to have to end up living with some with freak. freak like. But no, you're actually gorgeous. Uh, which, which really shows, like, the era of the time where everything was, like, turned up in saturation. People were going to 37 Dawson Street, Crystal. That would have been her world uh, where there would have been freaks and not freaks, i.e. Yeah. then. So she meets Danny who comes up. She's a former body piercer. Um, and she's looking, she got, uh, what is it? She got an internship to work in, was it so MCD. MCD, that was it, out in Dunleary. And she's the kind of classic, like, messy girl and, like, uh, Tumblr, emo, side fringe. And uh, Louise is, like, totally anal about, like, leaving dishes in the sink or whatever. But they meet up, this is previous to them knowing, they meet up, Danny's actually gorgeous, so they meet up, <laughs> they move into a place on Fade Street. Um, that's where our story begins. And then we meet Cece and uh, Vogue along the way. Cece is kind of just, if I can uh, diverge for a second, like Cece's just kind of thrown in towards mm. the middle. Like, it's so funny to rewatch it because my memory of her is she's a much bigger player than she kind of ends up being. Mm-hmm. Like, she features a lot as the as the series kind of ends. Yeah. But even it's just like, she's there. At one point, she's actually living the, in the apartment. Mm. I feel like they don't say that until, or it's just kind of, you're expected to understand that. It's just... It's very, I think it's very also strange. Like, yeah, I think it also kind of like it develops Cece's character a bit. The fact that there is this mystery, you can't really pin her down into one thing. And what I think she really brings to the table is like, I, I feel like watching the four girls at their peak and they're in and out of the apartment at different stages like they are with the hills. You're watching kind of the four archetypes of women at that stage. You have the culture and also like the golf culture, which is a subculture I would recommend. And they That's all, me. That's, yeah. I saw myself represented on screen when I saw Danny. Golf culture still happen in Wexford. I will say that. Okay. Uh, so Danny is representing her county very well, sunny southeast. Then you have Vogue, who's kind of like the hon. She's all extensions, all fake tan, talks about going to Ibiza, going to Marbs. You've Cece, who's kind of like goth punk. Like she was, this was after the time when like goths used to like hang around uh, Central Bank with like pulled up socks and kitten ears. And yeah, it was, it was kind of a, a hark back to that. They used to shop in Asha, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And then Louise is kind of like the classic D4. Like hair is always uh, pin straight. Um, she's always wearing heels, even when she's like walking to a bus. She has her like handbag slung over her like lower, like, arm um, and she's very much like a woman on the go girl bossery um, and so it brings them all together in representation that I had never seen before in modern media so bear in mind I was a 17, 18 year old growing up in Kildare wanting to go to college in Dublin and at that stage in my life I'd probably only ever met like 10 variations of the same Kildare person um, so this was like oh my god this is what people do in Dublin this is how people dress people are different um, and I got to see a glimpse of that from my living room every week loved and there was a real sale on you know the media jobs because obviously mm. you have Danny as the internship at MCFD spoiler alert that is short lived because mm. of her work ethic. Yeah. But she's a qualified piercer why did she not get into that straight away anyway we'll get into it more uh, we have Louise obviously gets the internship in Stellar Magazine in Stellar. alongside Vogue yes. so you're seeing them kind of work in magazines they're getting the shoots like that's so exciting it was very mm-hmm. much an emulation of it was kind of like they looked at the hills because you obviously had you know yes if you're, to look at, if you're to yeah, if you're to compare them completely side by side, yeah. it's like Lorna Whitney, Whitney and Team Vogue, yeah, literal Audre- Vogue and Louise in yeah. Stellar Magazine. Audrina was in Epic Records, I think. Yes. Uh, Danny was in MCD for a while, and then yes. obviously moved into a, a, that other career, piercing so and tattooing. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, it's like it was just like what do people, what careers do people want an inside and inside in? Cece Heidi. Oh, who is Cece then? I don't is know. The thing? Because in season two, she kind of, we talked about this off air, but like takes over Vogue's role in the DJing. Is yeah, there a very yeah, successful yeah. DJ herself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It Big was time. just, but I suppose you saw her, you know, it was just like, what jobs do people not fully understand mm. that we can like slightly tell the truth, slightly bullshit, make them look glamorous, sell them a dream. So it was like the club promoter, you know, mm. I'm going to put on a club night. That must be a really cool yeah. job. And it's actually like CC not really having a fucking clue about no. anything. Here's a club night called Faux. Everyone's going to wear full leather. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just... Just picking, she was just like, they obviously, you can imagine the producers in a boardroom just being like, okay, we need to find like something with edge. So CC is like, if Tumblr created like Miss Universe and so they just pushed her to the forefront and probably at, like got her to ham it up. So at different stages she talks about herself like 
a David Bowie wonderkind or like George, uh, Boy George or whatever. So they probably were like, yeah, fuck it. If you want to dye your hair pink, do that. If you want to talk about putting on a faux leather evening, why not? So, uh, so yeah, I suppose it was kind of marketed in the hills that way. But also, I think that's also probably the basis of its demise that it didn't really know what it was. It wanted to be this thing that couldn't really work on a street in Dublin considering like LA was almost like the third character of the, or the fifth character of the hills. Mm. So yeah, they kind of set themselves up for a fail, but like, boy, was it like delicious, a delicious time to be watching RTE one. Before we get into Two, kind rather. of more of the plot points, let's talk about Vogue just for anyone who mm-hmm. isn't familiar, because it's funny to talk about a show that was generally a flop, because I think critics didn't really like it. It was funny when I was researching for this, there is a review from Rosemary McCabe from the Irish Times at the time where she was like, essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, Rosemary, sorry, but she's talking about that essentially like, it's trash, but like, it's great. Mm. But I think everything else was kind of cutting it. Mm -hmm. But who is Vogue then? And how did she, you know, because it's very funny to watch her in this as well. I don't think she's acting at any point through this. I think they're obviously, and you know, they all kind of come out and they they say about their experience and I think there's a quote from one of them saying look it's not scripted it'll be way too hard to learn the lines yeah. and I don't believe it is it's one of those things where it's like plop you're in a situation react yeah. they're aware of that they've seen other reality before so they probably base their how they go about themselves off that but I suppose Vogue was a little bit famous before the show in the sense yeah. that she was a working model yes. maybe not famous to me or you but famous yeah. in that world and then she kind of took this platform as you said she jokes about it now that this mm. is how she got her start mm. but it is and this was she kind of is the only breakout star from it bar you could argue Joanne McNally as well but she's a background yeah. character yeah. Like, well you suppose you could argue Cece as well because she's a, from what looks like on Instagram a fairly like successful DJ and I think model as well. Um, Flat out in Ibiza. You've yeah, probably seen in her. Ibiza, yeah. You'd, like, she has a massive following, so I suppose she could jump off that. Um, Vogue is an interesting one. Vogue, I think, is the one who comes off the best by far. She comes across like the person you would have a pint with, the person you would tell a thing to, to the person you would like want to hang out with. She just like, even there's one instance where... Uh, all the girls somehow decide they want to go to Marbella the week before the um, internship that both Vogue and Louise have gotten is about to start. And Vogue does the right thing that says, an unpaid internship, by the way, capitalism happening even in 2010. Yeah. Um, so Vogue, they both got the call saying they'd love them to come aboard. And Louise was like, oh, fuck, I have Marbella booked with the girls. Um, and she said, she was like, fuck it, I'm just going to lie, say I had family, a family emergency or whatever. But Vogue actually did the right thing and, and said, listen, I have a holiday booked. Is there any chance I can start the next week? And they were obviously like, yeah, grand. Like knowing now how much hassle it is to like try, figure out work to give an intern, I would be like, yeah, perfect, take two weeks. Um, but just shit like that. She just makes clever decisions. She seems to like not take herself too seriously, which is I think what people are always really surprised about her when they listen to the podcast, My Therapist Goes to Me. Like you see her this like very successful, always hustling, beautiful, like professionally beautiful woman. And she like rips a piss out of herself like anyone else. So yeah, she, as you said, she was a working model. She seemed to be kind of on the scene as well. Like she knew all the cool DJs. She knew like photographers. She was always out at events. She seemed like a person with a great connections. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of made sense to put her on the show because people were kind of warm to her and and also she just seems to have a really good personality as well. It's funny watching it back and it, it's this comes up with a lot of the other flaps that people have picked and it's a phrase that I find myself using more than I care to admit. Mm. But it, these, the, especially Fade Street, it is such a time capsule for such a specific time in Dublin, I suppose, Ireland at large. You mm. mentioned, you know, references to the fashion and stuff. Yeah. But even you're watching and you're seeing, you know, venues and restaurants that they're at that don't exist anymore, which is very mm. bittersweet. Like, it is very crazy. And I'm kind, I'm glad that we have it, even if the execution maybe wasn't 100%. Yeah, but then, definitely. Like what do we like what do we want like a selling sunset esque show. I know. I think whatever way we were going to do this, it was always going to be a bit doomed because yeah. because of that Irish. I hate to say Irish burgundy, but there mm. is a sense of that. And no, hundred percent more, more so than burgundy. It's that thing you said that it's like Jesus. It's not, it's not very Irish in the sense yeah, because they yeah. are riffing off totally. an American TV show. I think also we didn't have the language to understand 
reality TV in the same that we do we do now. We now understand that like producers are heavily involved, that like people aren't being themselves, they're either scripted or not, or even if they aren't, they're projecting what they either think people want um, or what they think will make them look good. I think we have a far better understanding and that's reflected in so many ways, right? So that's reflected in like trolling and, and people had like, reality TV is like a thing you can actually like study at university or like talk about at length now because we know it is a factory and at that stage we kind of didn't. And I also hate to say, but I do think like sexism and misogyny is a huge thing to play that we just saw these like four beautiful young ones who were like wandering around kind of, people could say, oh, they're thinking their class. And it's kind of a, a beautiful encapsulation of young Irish people, especially people in the capital at that time, because like there were no jobs. There was Vogue at one stage. You went to Australia like to follow her boyfriend, Brian McFadden. Lol! Um, <laughs> but that's another thing. A lot of people were going to Australia. Just things like that. They're trying to figure out how to do internships, how to pay rent, how to like grow up essentially. And I think a lot of people would sideline that or side eye that rather because they're like a very easy group of people to kind of bring down at that stage. And also we we hadn't aware of what the reality TV show machine could have done at that stage. Um, but I I totally agree with you, said that the thing I love about it most, and I know the two of us have watched it really recently and I would uh, recommend it to everyone. It's on the player, just it's watch it. On it's the player, just straight oh, through it. They're really delish. short episodes. And it does show you like a perfect encapsulation of Dublin at that time. What people were talking about, what people were wearing, what people were driving, where people were going. Like at one stage it shows like there's a night in tripod and I was like, oh, I miss that. And like you kind of, people are talking about like, oh, hotels are being built. And it's really interesting to see like Dublin at that time. So yeah, that's what I loved about it. Do you think it was a casualty of the recession as well because the minute I heard the script for the first time mm. I was like in the background because that was the whole thing it's like predominantly Irish music mm. I think bar one or two songs yes. in the background the minute I heard that I was like oh no because I can imagine like as much as yeah it is easy to criticise them because they're women I mm. think there was a lot like there's a whole interaction I think between it's Vogue and Louise definitely and I think it's around the time she leaves the job in Stellar because, or yes. the internship yes. because it's like yeah, which is all very convenient because it's coming to the end of season one and it's like we need, you know, we need a dilemma or whatever. Yeah. And she's talking about like she's not going to be able to afford Fates Street anymore. Mm-hmm. She's going to have to move home, whatever, and live with her parents. And it's like, okay, like, yeah. you ha- do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just like you always had that option and you could have, yeah. commu- like, it's just... I just I've, the concept of money because was Stella unpaid because she talks about taking the PR internship then and she's like oh that's unpaid and that's why she has to move oh, like the concept of point. money in it is really you know what I mean it's just it's that very that is a good point yeah, it's that very is bananas good, that is bananas um now that you put it like that, but I suppose we also have to think that like rent was not what rent is now. Like That's I remember fair, yeah. renting in first year of university. So that was 2011. And I remember saying, there's no way I'm paying more than 450 euro for a room, which doesn't happen. Love. Which was which was like, Love. which was like money coming out of my nose. At that. Yeah. Like it was like a wild amount of money. Um, I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Another thing I noticed when rewatching, it is also the first like modern representation of like cultures meeting like South Dubliners in modern media. <laughs> and that's something that I was really interested in. Once again, growing up in Gildare, kind of dipping my toes into both worlds because you kind of come across them both. My school would, would play rugby with a lot of like Dublin schools and we were always considered the cultures in that sect. But like then if you made an actual culture, you'd be like 
they wouldn't have an, a breeze. Like you wouldn't, like it'd be a totally different comparison. So it was so, so interesting in my mind to see the two sects meet. And like, there's a one stage, um, Louise has been chatting up by, chatted up by a lad and saying she lives on Fade Street. And he was like, where's that? And she was like, oh, it's just around the, co- it's just around the corner from Copperface Jacks, which is somewhere you probably know. Like even those kind of like signalers. She's kind of- that whole thing in La Hinge. So they're down on oh, like a work yes. assignment where they're trying to get Bachelor, like it's Bachelor of the Year or whatever. They're trying to pull it for this new feature for Stellar. And Louise is after suggesting that they go to La Hinge and get, you mm. know, surfing men, which is actually a decent idea. Whatever, let's cast the net wide representation, all that jazz. Yeah. And they're at this party then after. And as you said, she's talking to these fellas and speaking to them like they are from Mars. Yeah, truly. It is absolutely incredible. Or any interaction with Louise and Paul, Danny's on-off boyfriend for the entirety of the series is just... Also, this show is like an incredible advertisement for Wexford, I would mm. say. I think the tourism board maybe needs to get on that because yes, how much Danny talks about it and is like complimentary of it, how much she misses it. Mm-hmm. The shots are very beautiful. Yeah, really beautiful. You have Paul just basically being like, well, I'm not going to do the Wexford accent, but like basically, why would you? Why would I be up in Dublin? Why, could, why would I come up to Dublin? Who are all these people? They're all fools, mm. whatever. Why would I go to any of these yeah. places? Like, it's just... It's so incredible to so watch. So this is it. I feel like the, the reality TV that I love, prefer the most is when you're put into a mental situation. So say like Selling Sunset and then all of a sudden you introduce a character that like almost represents you and they're able to step into this world and be like, what the fuck is going on? And I feel like Paul was very much that and why people really warned to him because like, you were in these probably, looking back now, constructed situations, whether it was in... I don't know, a, a bar or a pub or a venue or whatever it is. And then Paul come in and being like, you're all fucking Aegis. This is actually a bit mad. And you're like, this is actually a bit mad. Like, what are we talking about? What is faux leather and why is everyone wearing it? Shit like that, that I feel like Paul has introduced. And he was a gobshite. Like, God love him. I remember seeing him out in a night out my, my first year in uh, university and being like genuinely starstruck. But looking back at him now, he... He didn't come off great, but he was that character for me that he was like, you're almost like eye on the ground. That he was like what the fuck is going on and he was able to really bring it back to life um, it's so, Danny's yeah. birthday when they're at rights and they're yes. after having another fight or whatever they're like kind of fully breaking up whatever and he's like see you after like, yes. just, yeah, as yeah. he's walking off presumably back to Wexford yeah. from rights yeah. it's just it's or so him and good. Oxygen the we oxygen were, scene that's so like, funny we were just talking about EP and how like the rain belted down and then we were talking about how oxygen and I actually remember that year that uh, CC and your man Kevin cycled down to it and it was pissing rain and it was absolutely lashing and then just Paul just emerges from the rain to just start pushing people over they're playing crazy golf or something um, I was never aware of Daddy's that Daddy's wearing what looks like a, like a white boiler suit yeah. like it's just it's incredible yeah and it was actually uh, spoiler that weekend she lost her job because Paul was just being a total messer um, but yeah he comes over being like fuck you and you too fuck this I'm going back to Wexford um, I am from that area in Kildare if he managed to find a bus or public transport to bring to Wexford I would like to speak to him because that does not exist um, but he but, came out of nowhere but there's also a scene so great. where they're trying to imply that like Danny got a train from Wexford to Dublin which does not exist am I correct in that? oh I don't know if you're correct in that I think there may be oh Adam's googling I think there sake. might be one oh, not the public transport please yeah I think my sister might have gone one before because we family on my to Wexford where I is think it? so. Okay, anyway, Adam's checking that. Yeah. Um, what um, was the other thing I was going to ask you? Okay, so what happens, at, where are we at the end of season one? There is, I'm sorry, Pet. I really oh, thought there was. Oh, all the Wexford people are so mad. Yeah. Um, I'm really sorry about that. I really didn't, I only got a bus from Wexford before, so yeah. anyway. They, um, they also tackle like, sorry to cut across here, they also tackle like dating in Dublin, which is like a very specific like Tekashi's castle where like all the floating bits in the pool are like actually incels. So every <laughs> every single person who has watched it and dated in Dublin, we see you, we love you, we appreciate you. It has happened to us all. Um, and so Louise has a bit of a shit time with dating. Like I, I don't know what her situation is now, but God love her, she just, she knew how to pick rotten people to be in a room with at one stage and also there was this one lad who worked in Stellar I believe and he um, just took a fancy to Vogue it was Dermot was he not the guy that they got for the agony uncle off the back of the bachelor competition the way sorry I will say demented the, ro- the revolving door of like the background characters yes. is insane because there is like 
little to no exposition for yeah. some of the like you've Jules at the start mm, who was there is yes. a mate is going out to run for Kid Karate then moves to London we never hear from her again they're no. on about going over it that never happens Kid, the two lads on Kid Karate totally drop off the scene Danny suddenly with Andre like it's just yes that is it true it's absolute There's Harrison's no there no Dermot it's just it is relentless trying to keep up with then, this just th- that's like, it then we come up with a little known name Joanne McNally who I, we were just saying before, Anne, having watched them, I never knew her back then. I don't know if she was. She, well, I, I did not know she, if she was in this show at all. And I saw, I think I was at the Oxygen episode or maybe mm. it was around that time or before it. And I thought I saw her in one of the background scenes. Yes. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. And then it's like suddenly she's just there and she works in PR. I was like, excuse me? So she often talks about in her comedy now how she left PR to go into comedy. So I reckon we wouldn't have known her name then. Because yeah. she wouldn't have been in con. Maybe she was doing a few gigs, but she was in no way the level she is now. But yeah, she works in, is it Blink PR? Yeah. Um, and she I know she worked in Think House as well at one stage, but she's working and she's talking about um, bringing Louise under her wing and they're, they're about to do a big, I think it's the, is it the IM, the IMRO Awards or the, no, the... IFT something. It is, is it? It's... Or no, it was music. It's something to do with music, yeah. yeah. And so they're organising that. Louise plays a blinder, has found her calling in PR and that like wraps up her narrative. But yeah, they're like floating characters in the back. Louise is also dating this lad um, who at one stage helps her out because she's organising a thing in Galway and they realise they've no drink in the G Hotel, which is also just like like beautifully encapsulates the time um, where everything is just like red walls and like, like furry... Uh, ostentatious, expensive looking uh, carpentry. Um, And Louise uh, calls your man who she's been on a date with. He must work in booze because she was like, can you bring up a car full of booze to this event? And he brings him up. And he is so slithery. And he is just like, oh, well, I've come all this way. I suppose we're probably going to get together now. And she's just like, no. And then he goes off with Dermid to do foul things. I can imagine karma and go away. I don't even know if I want to repeat it. No, it's foul. They're talking, just watch it. They're talking mm. about Halo and they're talking about, Halo, go, that's yeah, it. they're talking about going to Halo, RIP. Um, I've had a great many nights in Halo because um, mm. they used to sell bottles of wine and you used to just get them and just be out in the dance floor <laughs> drink them. Yeah, it was great. Um, not I good for anyone. Was it carbon that everything was like two euro drinks? Maybe it was carbon. No, I think it was Halo that did like, you, you just got a bottle of wine for 12 euros and you just be walking around with it. That's which class. is not safe either. No. From a glass perspective. No. Anyway, they're on about how, like, basically, in a much more derogatory way, the mm. one of the nightclubs is going to be full of women and they're going to have their pick basically. And they say this in front of the girls and the girls are like, sorry. Yeah. Um, Vogue has left Stellar. Yes. At this point. Um, Louise has left Stellar. Yes. Um, Vogue was like, what happened there with the jobs with Vogue again? So Vogue... Um, they could only keep on one of them in the magazine. They could only keep on one of them and they were going to a shoot. Both girls were sent out to pick up uh, clothes for the shoot one day in different shops and Vogue had left her stuff in the back of a cab. Yeah. She'd gotten into there. a cab, threw it into the boot and then hopped out forgetting that the stuff was in the boot. And so I think that, uh, along with a few other things, kind of culminated in her being sacked. But I think it's safe to say she got on it all right. She then yeah, started, she's fine. Yeah, I think she then started acting lessons, which is... Beauty. Yeah, so, no, there's just, it's just scenes of her turning up to auditions being like, so I, I haven't actually learned these lines, so if yeah. I can just keep reading the script, is that okay? And yeah. they're like, I mean, we're here, so yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll just have a read, I <laughs> yeah. suppose. God love her, yeah, it's great. Like, I will say, though, um, one time I got the ick on a boy I was seeing, he was um, doing a self-tape and asked me to tape it. And what there's something about... Oh, no, that's violence. Yeah, there's something Jesus about filming Christ. someone trying to speak, also specifically in a bad accent, which she pulls out in this once or twice. That is actually like, I don't actually don't know if I can watch the telly anymore. But uh, no, God love her. Not her calling. She's become a super successful girl boss as a businesswoman. It's so funny. She has the realisation that she can't act over yeah. like chicken wings in, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Elf in the Castle with two friends where she's just like, do you know why some people just can't act? Maybe yeah. I'm, maybe I just can't do it. And well, she says it in such a like pro- approachable like sound no, way. She's it's just very, like gassed. It's not like that she's like surprised at all. No. It's just like the realisation has come upon her. It's incredible. She has this excellent like girl next door best mate like vibe about her and she just like laughs things off and says things as they are uh, very much like remember Greg O'Shea in the Love Island thing that was just like what was your um, thought process behind that she very much has that vibe yeah Yeah. Um, so I think she comes across the best by far 
CC at this yeah. point is still to org- like organizing events. A failing badly. club, yeah, a, a, a failing, failing club. club. Right, because she has one in Four Dame Lane. Books a yeah. band. The band don't turn up. <laughs> Apparently, the manager gets ten complaints about this. I find that hard to believe. Who <laughs> actually gives a fuck? Yeah. Who even wore the band anyway? Yeah. And she, he's like saying it to CC, and CC like her ra- the raspiest voice ever is like, "What do you expect me? Like they haven't. Tur- I booked them. I'm as disappointed as you. It's just incredible." Danny is after getting the tattoo apprenticeship in Dublin Link. Link, is happy out. They're struggling to fill the room because Louise has to leave because mm-hmm. she's going to take the PR internship. Um, and they want to bring in Andre who like uh, Danny like unceremoniously dumped or like not dumped but like unceremoniously fucked over like several times at this stage. Yeah. Which is just a demented um, take by them. I think it's also kind of a fascinating take on kind of like the blind arrogance you have once you leave college thinking that like I will walk into any job I have a degree I've like because like for a lot of Irish people I know like it's something that your parents won for you they're just like go to college not everyone did back in the day now that you have the opportunity and blah 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 and so you just feel like you're just going to walk into a job that you absolutely love that's going to pay shit tons of money for example, Cece, like, talking back to that bar owner or whatever, being like, I don't know what you expect me to do. And, like, imagine you speak about that, like, about that, like, that to your boss. Or, like, Louise um, saying in an interview at one stage, um, you're one, the MD of Stellar, or editor, I'm not sure what she is, says, talk Susan. to me about your, Susan, talks to me about your weaknesses. And she was like, I actually didn't think I have any. Like, she's uh, like, working too hard? Yeah. <laughs> and Susan's like... Right, <laughs> like it's just that interview is incredible, incredible. As much as as much as parts of it are just so completely ridiculous, it's so worth it for those yes. moments of just pure. At one point, she's leaving the interview, and Susan's like, "Thanks, Louise," and Louise is like, "Congratulations, thanks, bye." And then afterwards, she's like, "What?" Yeah, what? and we've all had those moments where we've said something in an interview, like those moments. I'm like, that's relatable, but it mm. is those other moments that I've already mentioned. You know, where she's, you know, like the thing with Marbella, where mm. she's like about that and then comes back in she's been fully caught out and won't even just apologise she's yeah. like like Susan's like you said you had family commitments and she's like well yeah like my friends are like my family I suppose yeah. and Susan's like this is, a, this is an internship like just fucking you won't do, you don't have to do any work anyway you're organising clothes I know I know so yeah I think it's really really showing of like that kind of blind arrogance when you leave um, like doing a really shit interview for a job you apparently are desperate 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 for not turning up the first week because you had booked Marbs with the girls on what money? Um, but it was Danny as well, like turn and like like yes. turn up. Danny was a rat. Stay late to MCD. To MCD. She's made this whole sing song about leaving Wexford because mm-hmm. like not everyone Harry Harry Styles voice. Not everyone gets this opportunity. <laughs> like it's just and they oh it's car crash. Yeah, car it, crash. But like I can only imagine like. Thankfully, my early 20s, our first job was not filled, but I can only imagine I was also like a whiny little bitch at times. And so like that is also just like shown on telly in a way that if I saw it, I would cringe and just like burst into flames. But it is also kind of real. Like we've all had that like kind of annoying intern in the office or been it or not even intern, like like annoying person in the office. And it just shows that on screen that like even though you have XYZ going for you, like you may not be the best person to work with. There's also that clash of like living out of home and living with mm. friends for the first time, as yeah. we see with the argument that Louise and Danny have over the washing left in the washing machine. Yes. And just, it's, yeah. Some of those things hit too close to the bone. Yeah, Everything exactly. else, I'm like, the stylist giving out at the shoot that it's like, if we don't have this red dress, the world is literally going to burn to the ground. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. cannot relate to that personally. But the living situation, I'm like, yeah, I have been a Danny occasionally. Mm. And sometimes I've been a Louise. You That's know? it, exactly. So I think it's like excellent archetypes of, of Dublin at that time and like almost like women at that time and young people at that time. But we were saying earlier before we came on air, um, season two. So it's a bit of a heartbreak in that it is two episodes uh, we get a glimpse of Roz Purcell, which is hilarious. I insert another hot I babe. Just I never knew this. I know. I thought I watched this and I didn't clearly because <laughs> I was reading the description. It was like we meet Roz and Emily, and I was like, that's hardly, mm. it's hardly Roz Purcell. And then it is. Yeah. There she is. Yeah. But again, it's just what was it with season? Because it's just. I feel like it was like, okay, what worked in season one? What will people want to see? And they gave us a sprinkle of that Mm. with absolutely no exposition as to why other people were there, certain people were gone. Like, Roz is never properly introduced in the way Mm. that the others were. Like, we saw Vogue on the Bavaria photo call and we're like, (laughs) okay, she's a model. She's really trying to get more jobs. She wants to do the DJ and whatever. You got that with Danny, you got that with Louise. 
and Cece then to a degree further on in the series. Roz just turns up when Louise and Cece are having mm. coffee and it's supposed to be like, you're supposed to get this conflict between Roz and Cece that is yes. never, never gets a chance to even develop because we do only get two episodes. And Emily's never fucking there. Yeah, Emily's I know. in like two seconds of episode two. I wonder if that's, that's like kind of... If that's based on kind of the hills itself. Like you would kind of have people and their name would just kind of like like show up on screen that this is like Spencer, that this is whoever. And so they're they're not supposed to have a backstory, maybe because they had future plans for them and they weren't really sure what they were. Um, but yeah, it's kind of also like in the Housewives series when you just have a friend and they don't really go into the backdrop and it's never really explained or what connection they are to everyone. You're just assumed, okay, this is a friend. But Roz Purcell, who was like objectively famous at that stage, like if yeah. she was not Miss Ireland, she had been maybe the or two previously she was probably still modeling with Trump at that stage she was like poster girl was probably on like Ireland AM or whatever in the morning modeling and then doing photo shoots photo calls in the evening and then probably turning up to like either host events or like be a person at events so like she would have been in like the magazines you saw at your hairdressers a regular feature yeah so it was just weird that like she wasn't really mentioned yeah they had that weird kind of like thing with Cece there was a thing in that like 2010s era where like all of a sudden all the models started DJing and I totally understand that like now working as a freelancer I feel like a model is such like a precarious job that they wanted something that would maybe push them across the rest but they all just went for the same thing so Cece kind of like gate kept like DJing music girl cool stuff uh, and then all of a sudden Roz decided as is well within her right that she wanted to do DJing and there's this almost like like silent cat hiss you can hear across the screen where they're just like their eyes are like darting across each other. If it was drag race, like the rattlesnake noise would be happening yes, in the background. totally. And so Cece just kind of said something very pointed. It was like, I really appreciate people who have gone through um, all the work it takes to be, DJ, be a DJ and learn all the bits because that's what I've done. But um, I suppose if you want to start that too, you're like more than welcome to. And there was just like a weird silence that DJ, Cece was just like, okay, this is my realm. If you're stepping into it, step the fuck up. Step your pussy up, Roz. Step your pussy up. Yeah. It's just... But yeah, it is divine. So good. Yeah, it really, really is. It's arguably like one of the most enjoyable things I've seen in RTU 2 in the past like 20 years. It's just, have you ever watched the parody of it on YouTube as well? Yes, with the Connery with Connery. So yes. good. Where Fade, CC, CC Fade voices Street like this. Yeah, Fade yeah. Street. Fade <laughs> Street. It's it so good. Such excellent telly. Um, it is very, 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 very good. They're all kind of doing their own thing now. We've talked about Vogue. We've talked about... Yes, Vogue, very successful businesswoman. Yeah. Uh, still modelling, I believe. Uh, she has so many businesses and a ver- and a great podcast with Joanne McNally, who was all on it. CC working as a DJ in, I think, still model in Ibiza. Louise Johnston lives in the UK, I believe, and still works in like PR and events. And Danny Robinson, you told me earlier, works for Maria Tash in Dubai. She does. She yes. sure does. Um, so all similar fields of what they were. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So we saw them in their kind of infancy and now they've spread their wings. Um, in terms of why the show kind of never went, I'm bringing this up from Daily Edge here, RIP, another RIP. titan of media lost. Um basically as to why they, they didn't bring it back. Mm. Um, so it was, so season two actually was never shown on, sorry, it was shown on telly, but it was on the player first. Okay. Um, so that's why I never saw it. Yeah. Um, uh, RT is offering fans of the series the opportunity to see it first in short daily webisodes. The RT player first initiative allows us to award whatever, blah, blah, blah. This is actually just fucking t- uh, TV speak. This season, the series consists of two half-hour shows instead of 12 and new editions. Ross Purcell and Emily McKeown will be introduced. That gives us just one hour to catch up on the love lives, friendships, careers, immigration plans and newfound fame of the girls and their significant others. And then the whole thing was that I think Danny, like Danny did an interview with or made a statement to The Independent in 2011 or I think around the time the season was done. Okay. and basically said that she was just finding it too stressful she was in another relationship at the time with someone from Dublin Inc his name is Racken okay um, and she said that certain scenes in the show kind of led to them splitting up so she was just like I'm done Vogue has come out this year and said basically they're, she doesn't think they'll ever be a reunion because she's kind of I'm paraphrasing her but she's basically said she's not ours like she's happy with her life and doing the podcast with Spencer and everything else yeah blah, I did blah, an blah. interview with her before and I, I mentioned just for like personal reasons I was like so what's a crack of face for you like were you guys buds and she was like to be honest not really like I don't think there was any animosity but they were just like we were just four girls put together yeah and so you can kind of tell that from a lot of the show like like Louise and her have a real kind of work friend vibe like we'd probably go out for a coffee during the day but like would then come in on the Monday being like what, what did you do at the weekend because I know I didn't hang out with you yeah kind of thing yeah yeah 
before we finish up, I suppose the other thing about season two that I found interesting was that it was kind of like a counteraction to in the in the in the way that I feel like some people didn't think season one was in any way representative of all of Ireland because how could it be? Yes. Season two was very much like we need to talk about the fact that people are leaving and mm. you know like that real push and pull of like do I emigrate? Do I stay? Yes. Because that's a big thing of like obviously Vogue is out there at that time with Brian. Mm -hmm. She's trying to convince Louise. Then you have like Louise who's currently freelancing, working in events, doing all these things. Hello, Rockstar Tan. Um, <laughs> she's kind of then trying to make the decision and then trying to convince Danny, who is mm -hmm. pretty much decided that she's staying and she's yes. like happy out. And season two ends with them. They're having coffee, they're leaving and it's very much like the end. Even yes. Like they're saying goodbye as if Louise is about to get a plane. Mm. She's nothing booked. There's nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But It's, it's like just, that iconic end of the hills where they like drop the, drop the screen yeah. behind. Yeah. But yeah, it's just over like a shit coffee in like Georgia Street or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I suppose they were probably, they would have gotten feedback, right? After their first series and been like, okay, we need to actually represent the modern Irish person as opposed to a show called Fade Street, which focuses on Dublin-centric women of a certain age. Um, so yeah, I suppose they probably got a telling off and probably like producers are probably like, how can we make this more popular? Uh, rather than focusing on kind of the nightlife and like Dublin dating and stuff like that. They probably wanted to get more people in on like the RT2 dime. So they talked about the emigrating thing. And then but I'm yeah. like, is it just a nice way to tie it up all in a nice bowl? Because Maybe. realistically it was like, Vogue was gone. Vogue yeah. wasn't coming back for more episodes. No. Danny had, was probably, had it was already pretty clear that she wasn't going to come back. Mm-hmm. Tied yeah, up with a nice little bowl. Send well, them off yeah, to and for that abrupt ending in season two, well, I don't even want to call it season two. It's like an add-on of season one. Just um, don't, for the two don't episodes. watch season two. Yeah. It's it's one of those things because I, I like was watching them the other day and just put up season two thinking it would be like the first one, like 12 episodes and then all of a sudden two episodes through and they're so quick. They're like 25 minutes Then I was like, okay, well, that's it, I guess. <laughs> Never yeah. mind me. Um, but yeah, I think it's... I think we've also gotten, kind of gotten a bit jaded when it comes to reality TV and we weren't as jaded back then. Like we were genuinely quite excited to see what things would pull up. So it's kind of got a special place in my heart for that way. Whereas now when I look at reality TV, it's under a totally different lens and I'm looking out for different things and different themes. But back then it was just kind of like mindless enjoyment and I will take that any day. Fade Street, you can watch it on the RT player, season one and two. Mm -hmm. Go do that. Enjoy it a lot. Kate, where can people find out more about you and read your wonderful work? Well, thank you very much. I am, um, yes, I'm freelance. So whoever pays me gets articles. Uh, so you can find me anywhere at Kate Demolder, K-A-T-E-D-E-M-O-L-D-E-R. It's an invented surname. My dad is Belgian. Um, yeah, you'll find that anywhere because it is a invented surname and I'm always able to get the username. So... Unreal. Yeah, delighted with that. But thanks that. for having me. Loved this. Thanks. Hire Kate. Don't be losers. Um, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. We'll get you back in for something else. Do you have an idea of something else you'd want to do? I defo do. Yeah, I'm not going to... Maybe don't say. Yeah, I keep I'm asking not people on mic and then I'm like, actually don't say, yeah. so it's a surprise. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm definitely going to come back to this. Okay, we'll get but you yeah. back in. So many more flops to go through. Oh, so many. Kate, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on Flop Culture. Thank you. And you can watch all of Fade Street, that's both seasons, if you can call them that, uh, on RT Player. And I really, really cannot recommend it enough because the episodes are just delicious little little bites that just burst in your mouth like a, like a grape, like a delicious berry. Oh, so good. I used up all my data watching it uh, a couple of weeks ago and I don't regret it. I don't regret it one bit. Go forth and enjoy it and thank you so much to Kate for joining me again for that discussion thank you so much for listening to this season of Flap Culture I can't believe it it's over how many episodes is this episode 14 I really appreciate anyone who has taken the time to listen and has given me a chance again I very very much appreciate it I've had an absolute ball watching things listening to things learning new things um, and I hope you learned something too. And if not, at the very least, I hope you had fun. And there's more fun to come at some stage next year. If you want to keep up to date with us, we are on Instagram and TikTok under flapculture underscore pod. And you can always get in touch at helloflapculture at gmail.com. If you did enjoy the season and you want to support future episodes, you can do so via my coffee page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash Fanula J. Uh, I will leave it in the show notes as well. Any money received will be put back into future episodes of the podcast. 
I would like to invest in another camera so they can all be video podcasts. So you're not just looking at me talking, shine my pajamas on a bed. Um, and also I would love to get another mic because I've a lot of friends at home that I'd like to interview. They have very good choices for flops, um, but it's very hard doing it on one mic. It's not a, it's not an adequate uh, audio experience, if you know what I mean. I'd also love if you could rate the show on Apple Podcasts and you can also leave a five-star review on Spotify. Uh, it has been a pleasure. Let me know what your favourite episode was. If there are any flaps you'd like to see me cover on future episodes. We've got a good few in the bank, but there's always, there's always more flaps to be found, you know? Uh, yeah, so until next year, or maybe, maybe you'll get a Christmas surprise. Who knows? Maybe we'll get an end of year treat. Until then... I've been Fanula J. This has been Flap Culture, edited by Adam Shanahan, as always, artwork by Brian Lambert. And I will see you soon. Bye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.